Welcome to Oaks Church, where we grow great lives and build big people. Thank you for checking out our podcast. We hope that you're encouraged by this life-changing message from Pastor Joel Scrivener. For more information, visit us online at oakschurch.com or follow us on social media at Oaks Church, Texas. Good. Well, I'm ready. You ready? Uh, Today I want to talk about master your money. Everybody say master Master. your Your money. money. Master your money. You know, I think uh, as we can close this uh, series on gifted, I think it was uh, a great day to talk about stewardship. And uh, a lot of the Bible, there's over 2,300 verses that uh, are in the Bible that talk about money. And we would be doing you a great disservice if we didn't ever talk about stewardship, if we didn't talk about money. You know, uh, think back to your middle school years, think back to your high school years, and they taught us a whole lot of stuff. They taught us about science. They taught us about math. Someone taught you how to drive. Uh, They taught you how to style your hair in the perfect way, like Mario. Mario, you're my hero. Uh, They taught you a lot of different things, but I wouldn't say there were a lot of people, for most of us, that taught us how to budget. Uh, They didn't teach us how to be a steward. It's not a natural thing that is uh, always talked about, but I think it's something uh, that is definitely needed that we need to know about. You know, in the series Gifted, you know you are gifted to be a gift. You're gifted to be a gift, and if you don't master your money, then your money will master you. If you don't have a plan for your money, then your money will just tell you what to do because life can be chaotic, Life can throw us curveballs, and if we don't plan out and master our money, it can master us. But I want to open with this verse, 3 John uh, chapter 1, verse 2, and I'll throw it up on the screen behind me. It says this, beloved, now beloved is a term used for Christians. It's a term of endearment. Uh, Maybe you have a different term. Maybe you use my friend. Maybe you say homie, whatever it is. Um, You probably don't say homie. Those are for the teenagers, but anyway. Um, But it's a term of endearment, and John says this, I pray. Now, if John is praying, it means something. John is the disciple. He's an apostle that is closest to Jesus. You know, Jesus loves you, but John was the type of person, he's like, no, 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 I know he, I don't just love Jesus, but I am the one that Jesus loves the most, and it can be really easy sometimes, because we've all had faults, we've all had mistakes and messed up, and not even a week ago, sometimes we might have stuff hanging over us from 10 years ago, and it's time to just let it go, and John was the type of person that said, I am the closest to Jesus. And whenever he wrote a book called John, he didn't even mention himself by name once. He just called himself the disciple who Jesus loved. He could have prayed anything. He's in his 80s and 90s now, and he chooses to pray this. He said, beloved, I pray that you may prosper. Everybody say prosper. That you may, come on, prosper. That you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Now, there's no way around this. Prosper means one thing, right? It means you're doing well. It is a financial term. And so many times, we don't like the church to talk about money, even though we love money. We like money. You would not go to your job if you did not make money. Money makes the world go round. But you are called to prosper. John's saying, I want you to prosper financially, 
I want you to prosper physically, and I want you to prosper spiritually. And I think too many times we think small. And we say, well, I know God wants me to prosper spiritually for obvious reasons. But what if you remove the lid? You know, we have a saying in our, our staff and our team culture, and we like to say no lids, that there is no cap. And there's so many times we put a cap on what we can do when the fact is there is no limit to what God can do through you. There's no limit. And all the only limits that we have are the ones that we impose on ourselves. The dreams that you have in your heart, the things that God's spoken to you in a quiet place, nothing can disrupt that. So many times we let things disrupt it or we let an illness or something with money or something somebody said about us or maybe anxiety, but there is no limit to what God can do through you. Amen? Amen. He wants you to prosper. Let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we love you. God, we thank you for what you're gonna say today. I pray that you lead us, that you speak to us. I pray that we leave here a little bit bigger, feeling a little bit bigger than we do currently. I pray that you speak to us and that we leave here better than the way that we came in. In Jesus' name, if you believe it and receive it, say amen. 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 Now, Pastor Joel, I'm gonna use this prop, please. Thank you, sir. I'm about to show you 10-year-old Brandon. You guys ready? Yes? Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, Growing up, uh, and we already talked about if you like to make money, you like to make money. You can be honest uh, about that. But I started making money um, when I was 10 years old, and my parents had a process for how I was going to make money and how I was going to learn how to make money. And they had a system, and this is in my room. Uh, Everybody say, hi, Noah. Noah. See, uh, I was raised from an early age. I didn't have much of a chance to mess up. I was born in church. Um, I didn't play with Marvel superheroes or Iron Man or Superman. I literally had Bible figurines. Uh, It's kind of embarrassing to talk about. I played with John the Baptist and John the Bathtub, okay? I call him John the Bathtub. I'm like, he's always around water. He loves water. I've always loved water. Uh, Give me a pool and let's make this thing happen. So um, now you know. But they had a system, and the first thing, I got a grand total, $2.50 a week, and the first cup was tithe. My parents said the first 10% of your money, we're going to pay it first, and then you're going to return it to God. You're going to give to your church, and you're also going to give it through your church, and Jesus is going to receive your tithe and your offering. The second cup was an offering. This could be 3 to 5%. This is if there's some, someone uh, has a need, it's moving you or anything, and you're able to just bless people because you've set aside a portion of your money and your budget to bless other people. We had a missionary from Turkey last week, and because we had set aside money, we were able to bless them and send them. You know that when you give, you know, we haven't been to a lot of places in the world, but if you give or if you sow, then you go. And there's a lot of places we haven't been, but you are sowing to that place because you blessed that place, you are gonna receive that blessing. You know, there's 4,000 Kenyans that rely on your generous support every single month, and you haven't heard of them, but they've heard of you. And one day you're gonna meet them in heaven because of this offering, and they're gonna thank you for your support. Now, this will be your favorite cup. This one says tax. My parents taxed me, y'all. 
I'm going to explain this, Dad. I'm going to explain it. I won't make you look bad. <laughs> 20%. My parents were saying, you know what? You live here. <laughs> we pay for this. This is your uh, designated spot. No, they said 20%. 15 to 20%, there will be money that you make in life that you will never see, and you will never get, and you might not always have a great attitude about it, and if you make more, you lose even more, but it's like, no, you will be taxed, so you need to learn now, son, that you're going to be taxed, and this belongs to the government, but secretly, behind my back, they would put it in the next cup, thank you, Lord, thank you, parents, and they would put it in this guy, Mr. Noah. (laughs) Now, this is the savings cup. 15%, 15%, and that would be for short-term, long-term savings. They said, you can put this in your 401k. I said, 401 what? They said, don't worry, you'll find out about that later. This was my personal favorite cup. This one's personal. 50% of my income, I actually got to keep. I could do whatever I wanted, but it's $1.25 a week. You know how long it took me, Jose, to save for a video game? It took me 40 weeks to save for Madden 1999, and it wasn't even as good then. It was just like block characters, but it was really John Madden talking to me, and I was able to uh, realize that or, or, or um, buy that because I had saved. You know, just, be, just like there is a system or a series of steps. I'm going to give this to you, sir. Thank you. To your life in areas of fitness or your job, your career, your spirituality, there are steps to you being a good steward of what God has called you to be. Before we address the steps, I want to address a mindset uh, that we have, uh, just as normal people. I'm going to say a few things, and if you would indulge me, you can say these things after I say them. You ready? I'm rich. Tell me, y'all, where he's going with this? Say, I'm rich. Okay, okay. I'm blessed. To be a blessing, I am the head and not the tail. I am above and going over. Now you might say, Brandon, I'm not really rich. If I showed you my bank account, if I showed you my Chase app, you would see that I don't have a lot left over. Brandon, if I invited you to my house, you would see that I'm not really that rich. You might say, Brandon, why are we saying I'm rich? I'm in church, not a self-help seminar. You know, the fact is, You are rich. You know, if you make over $37,000 this year, you are in the top 4% wealthiest people in the world. Let me take it a step further. If you make $45,000 or more, considered average, you are the top 1% of the world's wealthiest people. The question is not are you rich? The question is, are you a good steward of the resources God has given you? This is how the world talks about us. They say, there are these Americans, that's us. They are so rich that they drive, that they own a car. Like, wow, a car. They say, yeah, you know, only three to five percent of people own a car, but some of them are so rich that they own two cars. And that's not even it, y'all. You you, got to know, they are so rich that they have tiny houses for their cars, and they call them garages. (laughs) And when they get home, they pull up, they put it in the garage just to protect their car from the weather so it don't get rained on, the elements. 
And then they get in their car and they drive past 10, 20 restaurants and they get to decide what they feel like eating. And they pull up, they go in the restaurant and then they pay somebody to cook for them. They said, that's not it. When they get back home, they will go to their bedroom and they will change into their home clothes. Why are y'all, none of y'all are wearing your home clothes today? You're wearing, you wearing your church clothes, okay. <laughs> they will put their home clothes on and they will put their clothes in these tiny rooms called closets. They said, that's not it. Nobody lives there. Nobody sleeps in the closet. It's just to hang their clothes, to put their shoes. They got shelves like the retail stores. They said, this is wild. Some of them are so rich, they pay somebody else to handle their money. I've never seen it, but I've heard about it. That's how rich they are. See, the fact is you are rich and you are a steward. Now, here's the foundation before we lay out the five steps. The foundation is, number one, everything is God's. Everything is God's. Your house, your cars, your job, your physical self, you know, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, paid by Jesus, redeemed by Jesus. You belong to God. David said in Psalms 24, verse 1, he says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. Two, you are a steward of what God has given you. You are a steward of what God has given you. Here's what steward is. Stewardship is the management of another person's property. And as a steward, you manage everything that God has given to you. If you are a manager at work, then your job is to multiply what your manager has given you. It's not to hang steady. It's definitely not to decrease but it's to multiply. And if managers don't multiply what they have, their employer will find another manager that they deem more qualified or suited for the job to handle their resources. Whether you like it or not, you are a steward, you are a manager, but sometimes we battle with this owner mentality and we actually think that everything that we own is ours. But you're a manager. I'm a steward, and I came from the ground, and I'm going to return to the ground when it's over. Everything belongs to God, and you are a steward of what he has given you. See, a life of true blessing looks like this. A life of true blessing walks on two legs. The first leg is stewardship. The second leg is Generosity. And here's the hard truth. If you are bad at being a steward, it will be really hard to be generous. It'll be really hard to be generous. You know, if I talked one-on-one -on -one with each of you and I asked, hey, do you want to be generous? You know what all of you would say? Yes. Brandon, my heart's to be generous. My heart's to be generous. Have you seen what we've been able to do in the last year of Oaks Church that we might meet in a school, but that it is a global church because we're filled with people whose hearts are generous. But if I don't plan and steward, then I can't be as generous as I would like 
to be. Everything that I say today is because I love you. It's because, and I have had people that told me this, and I've been blessed by that, but have you ever said, I wish I would have known? I wish I knew now what I knew then. And today you may already know this, and that's good. And it's to build your faith in what you're already doing. But today might be the day where you don't know things, and this message is also still to build your faith, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say this because I love you, I believe in you, and I wanna have a no-lidge culture where we can truly do what God has called us to be. Amen? Amen. You didn't say I love you back. It's fine, it's fine. If it's one-sided, it's cool, y'all. I ain't keeping score. I, ain't, I, I am keeping score, and I wanna hear it. All right, number one. <laughs> Steps to being a good steward. Be a tither. Smile, y'all. Be a tither. <laughs> now, I'm an only child. And, uh, but one of my best friends growing up, he had a big family, last name is the Nichols, and I loved hanging out with him. I'd hang out with him a lot in the summer, uh, spare weekend, stuff like that. And I remember there was an unspoken rule in their house. Now, you ever go to a house and your buddy might tell you, hey, they're not gonna say this, but here's the rule at this house. Don't do that. Don't call her short. She knows she's short. Don't. Don't, right? She's got a tattoo right here. Don't say anything about it. Don't say, why'd you do that? Anything like that. Some rules are unspoken. The unspoken rule at this house was that there's an entree or dessert. You don't eat the last of it, okay? If you cook brownies, it don't matter if you cooked it. The kids, there better be some leftover at the end for the dad because it's his, I'm like, why? They're like, just trust me, Brandon. I'm like, okay. Now, if you know me, I love dessert. Anybody love dessert in here? I love dessert, man. It's like you eat your, eat your meals. Some people are appetizer people, uh, people. You gotta have your jalapeno poppers or your chips and queso, and you gotta have it. See, my wife's an appetizer person. I'm a dessert person. I'm like, listen, one of these is more important than the other, and it's dessert, okay? I ain't got room for all three. Let's save room for the real blessing, and, 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 uh, and, and as you know, as you get older, you can't do the stuff you love, so I don't do it as much as I want, but I still love it. So uh, I remember one day, and I spent a lot of time at this house and with this family. When you spend a lot of time with people, you start to feel close, you feel like you can do things that you wouldn't do at just some other house um, or some random friend, and there was one night, we had a great meal, and a lot of people had gone to bed, and I, it was a sleepover, and I was hanging out with my friend, and it was getting late. And if you're like me, if I'm up till 12, like I get a second wind and I'm like, you know, I could go for something right now. I could go for something. Like I should be asleep, but give me that snack. And I went and I found out there were some brownies from the other night when I was not there. And my friend said, Brandon, don't touch that. I said, yo, daddy loves me, bro. He loves me. I can have this. And I had the last brownie and it was good. <laughs> Next morning, we wake up, have a, well, I didn't have my coffee, but I had probably cereal or donut or something, and around lunchtime, and we have lunch, and his dad's there, and he opens up the cabinet, and he, <laughs> he notices something's a little bit off. He said, where's my brownie? I went to the living room. <laughs> I went downstairs. 
said, Brandy, you take my brownie? I said, yes, sir. He said, what are you doing that for, man? That's my brownie. You know what I've never done since? Eat somebody else's brownie, especially his, especially his brownie. There are unspoken rules. At your house and with your kids, some things belong to you. And you tell your kids, listen, this is all yours, <laughs> but this is mine. Don't touch mine. You know, the first 10% of your income belongs to God. That's just a fact. But here's the other fact. 3% of the American church tithes. So 97%. They say some churches, good, church, good generous churches, typically is still 10 to 25% of people tithe. So if we're really generous, 25% of y'all are smiling at me, and the other 75% are like, come on, Brandon, let's go. Let's go. Let's go to the next few points. I don't want to hear about this. You know, Hebrews 7, 8 conveys that when you give, that you don't just give to a church, but that Jesus himself receives your tithe. See, you might give to Oaks Church, but you don't just give to Oaks Church, but you give through Oaks Church. And when I give my tithe and offering, I don't imagine what they're doing with it afterwards. I say, you know what, Lord? This is my home church, and when I give, I'm giving to you. And it's not even a question in our mind. And if you weren't raised like that, then it's extremely hard for you to think like that. But if we're all managers and stewards, at the end of my life, I will give accounts of what I was stewarded with, and if I wasn't a good steward, I will answer for it. Now in Malachi chapter three, verses eight through 10, we hear that common uh, tithe and offering uh, segment. I'll just read verse 10. It says this, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple and if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the, heavens of, open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. You know, I don't normally test God because I'm not stupid. <laughs> but he's like, you know what? It's the one time I'm gonna say, even if you don't try me in other things, try me in this. Try me. Test me. See, there is a law of sowing and reaping. And if you sow a seed into the ground, you will reap a plant. But it's the same in every realm of life. If you sow kindness, you will reap kindness. If you are a peaceful person and you don't pick fights, you will reap peace. If you are just the sweetest person in here and you sow sweet, guess what? People don't pick a fight with you because you're sweet. But if you sow finances, you will reap. It's the same way the whole way around. You might say, Brandon, that's Old Testament. So is lying. So is adultery. <laughs> so is killing people. I hope none of y'all pulled up in here after that, right? Like it's, <laughs> like it's still, like it's a principle for all time. Jesus didn't come to say, no more law, he, he came to complete the law. He didn't say ignore the law. He didn't say just ignore everything. And whenever he did address it, and I believe it's Matthew 23, 23, he's talking to the Pharisees, he's like, you pay attention to this, but I wish you would also love people, 
I wish you would be merciful to people. Like, I wish you could do it all and not just practice one. He said, but even in doing so, don't, don't throw out the former with the latter. Like, you gotta do both. It's a principle. See, I can't be praying or saying, God, will you bless me? Will, will you open up the door in the situation? And he's like, hey, if you want the windows of heaven to open, will you just open the door for me? See, God opens the window through the door of your generosity. And there's no curse from God. If you don't do this, we'll see you in heaven. It's all good. But here's the rule. Simply put, you can't expect God to get involved in your finances if you're not involved in the way that he does finances. That's all. Like, if you don't pray, don't expect an answer to prayer. The rule is, if you do one, you'll get the other. And it starts with tithing. See, the tithe exists as both a reminder and a test. It's a reminder that God actually does own everything, and it's a test to see if he's actually God to me. One story, I'll go to the next point. First Kings chapter 17, verse 10. There's a famine in the land, and it talks about the prophet Elijah, and he's looking for food, so much so that God literally sent ravens. Imagine God sending you birds to feed you. That'd be kind of weird. I'd be like, I ain't that broke. Like, I don't need a bird to feed me. You know, I'll even go to Taco Bell, even though I'm like, eh, I don't know what's in here, but I don't need no bird to feed me. But it was that bad. But from there, he goes, hey, go to the city, and he, and he goes to the city, and we'll read here. So he got up and went to Zarephath, and as he came to the entrance of the village, he met a woman, a widow, gathering firewood, and he asked her, please, would you bring me a little water in a jug? I need a drink. <laughs> and as she went to get it, he called out, and while you're at it, would you bring me something to eat? Man, this is just like a dude. <laughs> He's sitting on the couch. Hey, baby, will you get me something to drink? She goes, I'll get you some water. Hey, while you're up, uh, can you get me something to eat, too? <laughs> Ladies, for all of uh, mankind, we apologize, but we might do this tomorrow. Uh, anyway, I'm sorry, baby, I won't do that anymore, or as often. He said, hey, while you're up, will you get me something to eat, too? And she explains to him, like, this is all I got. I was about to make my last meal for me and my baby, and then we're gonna die. <laughs> and Elijah said, okay, if you feed me, you won't run out of food. Now, that doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. But she did it anyway. And she fed him, gave him something to drink, and the rest of the story goes on to say that throughout the famine, for the next few years, that she never ran out of oil, she never ran out of flour, she never ran out of what she needed because she gave God what was his first. Let me, let me take it a little bit a step further. Elijah didn't need the widow. The widow needed Elijah. See, God doesn't need your money. You know, he just wants your heart. And whenever you prove him first in this area, he opens the windows of heaven and you will watch what happens in your life because it happens each and every time. The second point is learn to be content. 
Learn to be content. You know it takes, we all know this, it takes trust in God to live below our means. And if you want to live below your means, the most important thing you can do is learn to be content. And the fact is, is that contentment is something you learn. It's not something that you're born with. And Paul explains in Philippians chapter four, verse 11, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. And I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. But I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And now the verse we all know, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I read this, and I'm like, I got it all wrong. So many times we just apply this to whatever we're going through, and in fact, the text The context is when you need to live below your means, hey, baby, you can be content through Christ who gives you strength. (laughs) You can be content through Jesus who gives you strength. But sometimes in our lives, we don't want to trust God. We don't want to live below our means, and we will put money on credit cards that we can't pay off at the end of the month. This is gonna this is gonna hurt. This is gonna be a little toe step. It's gonna be a toe step. Keep smiling at me. Keep smiling. Okay. If you're putting money on credit cards that you can't pay off at the end of the month, you are saying to God, God, I don't trust you. You're not providing enough for me right now. You know what I want, you know what I'm dreaming about, but the way that you've been providing for me isn't enough for me right now. Now, none of y'all are crazy enough to ever say that to God. But when you do it, that's what we're saying. But I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Number three, balling with a budget. (laughs) Balling with a budget. Now, uh, this is the term that me and my wife use uh, whenever we started budgeting. And um, that was our phrase. We want to get something. We want to go get a meal at this specific place and not at Chipotle. Hey, Chipotle is awesome. I'm, I'm going to talk, stop talking about this. But listen, we would say, bottom with the budget. Because we weren't doing what we wanted to do, but we knew, hey, I ain't bottom with everything, but I am bottom with a budget. I got my plan. I got my financial plan. I am going to stick to this. Now, here's, here's the reality. is because of this illustration that I showed you earlier, I have always been a saver. And I've gotten approval for this, and you will not get me in trouble. Angel is a spender. So there's, there's, like, a, there's like a little friction sometimes, you know. Typically, I wouldn't be surprised in a lot of relationships that there is a saver and there is a spender. <laughs> now, y'all are a lot smarter than that first service because first service, they were like looking at their partner they were doing this. They were pointing. I'm like, y'all stupid, bro. Like, don't, don't do that here. <laughs> you in trouble now. <laughs> it's a rhetorical question. Okay. But they're savers and spenders. So when I got married, I'm doing this. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm not trying to keep it. 
But then we learned the truth of budgeting. And she started handling everything. And she, we did the Dave Ramsey way. And we started using every dollar, which is an app. And there is an app for you. It could be Mint. It could be YNAB. It could be every dollar. there. Whatever it is that you use, just use it. That's the key. Just use it. And start telling your money where to go because if you don't master your money, your money will master you. And money is no respecter of persons. It ain't what you dress like, look like, act like. If you don't master it, it'll master you. Whatever masters you is God to you. So we went through this budget and this process and I asked my uh, wife just about it and these were her thoughts on that. She said this. She said, using a budget gives you freedom to spend. Amen. <laughs> because it shows you how much money you actually have. It's freeing, not restricted, because it gives you a framework to operate in so that you can stay within bounds. Our whole marriage, our whole life changed the day we started doing that. And it's been roses since in that category. When it comes to budgeting, there are no days off, but successful people do consistently what others do occasionally. And it takes time to be great. The fourth thing, and I'll sail through this and go to number five. The fourth thing, become debt free. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20. Solomon says this. <laughs> he said, the wise have wealth and luxury but fools spend whatever they get. I don't want to look at you. Don't get mad at me. But fools spend whatever they get. You know, real wealth is not what you make. It's what you save. It's, it's assets. You can make a million a year, but if you spend a million a year, then that's not being wise. But fools spend whatever they get. Dave Ramsey likes to say, live like no one else now while it's hard so that one day you can live and give like no one else you know, for a number of year now, years now, probably five or six years, we have notes on our phone that Angel does all of this. She deserves all the credit for this. And we reach our financial goals every single year. And it's five, six, seven, eight-year plan. And the goals are never, this is how much money I want to make. The goal is always, this is what I'm going to do with my money. And my prayer for over 10 years has been, Lord, Increase my tithe, increase what I give. And every single year, I give more than the previous year. Because that's my heart. And God, if you're faithful with little, he will give you more. And doing this over time will lead you to a life of blessing. And no stress, no pressure. And imagine this life for you. If you're not currently in this life, imagine what it would look like Write down a plan and then stay faithful to the plan for years, however long it takes, and be on it and master it, and you will come to the place where you don't have financial stress. This might sound like a pipe dream, but it's not. You don't have any worry about this, and you are able to give freely, do whatever you want because you budgeted and you became debt-free. And while I'm on this, and I didn't say this first service, but I've noticed this. If you are in this place where you don't have a lot of stress 
And sometimes you might be in a place where you feel like you have to excuse your blessings. Don't excuse your blessings. Just because you feel like you're at where you wanna be doesn't mean that you need to hide your light. You might be the example that other people need in their lives. Because it's not about what you make, it's about what you do with what you make. The fifth thing is live a life, and this is the last thing, by the way. You're like, five things, how many, that's the 10 commandments. Uh, <laughs> fifth and finally, live a life of generosity. Isaiah 32, eight, I love this verse. But generous people plan to do what is generous. And then they stand firm in their generosity. You know, as you know, we are in a school building, but we are already, we have our sights on land, and that deal is almost done, and then we have a building campaign going up uh, after that, and, and I only tell this story to give you an example and lend my testimony as faith towards yours. But I want you to know, like I said earlier, I would never say something that I don't do. And we, had our, we have our building campaign, our land campaign, and it's all under Growing Oaks. And we gave towards that last spring. But then on August 25th, we had a Vision Sunday where we heard the vision of the church. The Scribner let us know where we are going. This is where we're at. This is the land. This is where we are. This is what we need to get there. And I remember me and Angel, we went to, uh, we went to this restaurant called Ernesto's uh, right over here. Shout out. Someone literally, anyway, okay. They're going to give me a gift card to Ernesto's after that comment first service. Hey, yo. <laughs> I'm kidding. All right. So um, but we're at Ernesto's and we're talking and we bring it up. We're like, so what are we going to give? And I had a number in my heart. And it was going to be the most that I've ever given to anybody, church, anywhere. Outside of you, baby, I had given more to you. Okay, that was early on in dating. Okay, so um, she better look at me. I had to just pay it forward, literally. I'm like, <laughs> and I put the number out. And you'll notice that spenders are normally more generous than savers. She doubled it. And I have learned to just go with what she says. In every area of life. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that too. And she said double. I remember like, okay. And I didn't need no Holy Ghost goosebumps. I didn't need Jesus to walk up and say, hey, you're going to do this right. No, it's like I pulled out my phone. I went to Push Pay. I went to Oaks Church. I clicked on Growing Oaks, and I gave that amount. Before I could talk myself out of it. You know, there's a verse that said that God loves a cheerful giver, but he don't hate an uncheerful giver either, okay? Listen, if you've never regretted, if you've never regretted a gift you've given, you've never given sacrificially. And I remember over the next month, I was like, man, what could we have done with this? What could we have done? And that's not a bad sign. That's a good sign. Because now you're giving God's way because the tithe is returning. That doesn't even belong to us. Everything on top is generosity. That's the offering. My Growing Oaks campaign money is not my tithe. Anything on top of that is. And I remember I, I was like, what could we have done with this money? 
But the backside of the story is the past three years or so, and, and obviously we had a lot of transition about a year ago, and I'm like, we ain't doing nothing this year. Let's just hold on tight and see what happens. But we've been looking at houses and, and really trying to, we had an, a plan financially and we, uh, the neighborhood we wanted to move in, the house we wanted. I say we, anyway, the house that we wanted, yeah. And uh, this, anyway, I like it too, I like it. So, but I remember a few weeks before I go there, the Lord told Angel that week, she's, he said, if you take care of my house, I will take care of your house. If you take care of my house, I will take care of your house. And she held on to that. She told me about it. We just kind of put it on the shelf. You know, when you feel like you have a word from God, you just kind of put it on the shelf. You're like, I trust you, God, and move forward, doing the right things. And a few weeks later, we're on vacation. We come back, and we see the house we want in the neighborhood we want is foreclosed, and it is much cheaper than it normally is by a lot. And we're like, okay. And we went for it. And we got it. And that's where we live now. But the Lord said, if you take care of my house, I will take care of your house. I don't say all of this to say, hey, if you do this, this is going to happen. It's like I said earlier, if you sow, you will reap. And everyone in here is a steward. And we get to give an account at the end of our life. Say, this is what kind of manager I was. That's what kind of steward I was. And the parable of talents is not just about abilities, it's about resources. And if you feel like you're a one talent or two talent person or five talent, whatever it is, it's your job to not just maintain, but to multiply what it is that you have. And I'm gonna turn it around. I'm just gonna say two final things, we'll close. You know, people have, and I respect this, people have said, Brandon, you are gifted for this. It looks like it now. All it was was hard decisions over and over and over and over again. And it's as hard for me as it is for you. But the story is, if I can do it, you can do it. See, when you do hard things over time, it makes you look gifted. <laughs> it makes you look a step above. Like, oh, wow, they must have this. Anyway, I'm gonna do a rap lyric, but I ain't, I ain't, I ain't about that life. <laughs> oh. I'll close with the statement, no one who applies what Jesus says about kingdom finances ever regrets it. Their only regret is that they didn't do it sooner. That's it, they didn't do it sooner. And today, it's off of my head, Thank you, Lord, and it's up to you to do with what you know to do. Amen? Let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. We hope this message has blessed your life, and if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening, and have a great week.